glad that you're here. It's Mother's Day, such a fun event, and I hope you got your picture, and you, I, hope you, I hope you all win gifts. Um, that's impossible, but it, you, at least you got a rose and a, a, a cute video. We're so glad that you're here. If you are joining us as a visitor or as a mom from out of town or some type of scenario like that, let me bring you up to speed. Uh, here at New Beginnings, we usually will teach in series that are either three, four, five weeks, something like that. And so we'll take on a subject, just dive in and work on it for five or six weeks and then move on. And so we're in a series called Quick to the Point. And it's titled that because we're taking a look at the book of James. James was the younger brother of Jesus. And he was uh, after the resurrection, before Jesus, I mean, while Jesus was living, James was not totally bought in, which you probably wouldn't either if your older sibling said they were God. And so, but after the resurrection, the Bible says that God or that Jesus presented himself to James. And after you see that, you know, you're, you're bought in hundred percent. And so James became a follower of Jesus. He was the pastor of the church of Jerusalem and he writes his own book that just got titled the book of James. And it's really a sermon turned book of the Bible. And we've been working through this. And so we are in week five of this series. And today we are going to look into what James had to say about the future. I said it weird like that on purpose because we all think a little bit. Don't we get a little spooky when we think about the future? Don't we love the idea that there's something? How many of y'all love the movie? Let's go old school. Some of you young whippersnappers won't even know what I'm talking about. How many of y'all loved Michael J. Fox? Back to the future. Bam. Isn't time travel the funniest thing? Because in movies, once you introduce time travel, you ruin everything about the show almost. Right. But but when you have time travel going on, you have Michael J. Fox going back to the future. And then remember Biff. Remember Biff gets a hold of the almanac and then he goes and then he wrecks the future that it's all crazy because. But we all want to know about the future. We would love to have the almanac. You know, that Biff had so that we could manipulate our own future. We, we have people. I was driving down the road the other day and. Um. I was in Georgia this past week and with very, very religious area. And, and sure enough, I'm still driving down the street and right there in the middle of the Bible, but still like the psychic place, you know, come find out about your future. And so you, you flip over tarot cards and you, how many, you, you know, you use horoscopes and you read stars and you, or you just love fortune cookies, something you, you want to know about the future. You're like, you know, you read your horoscope on your Yahoo homepage. You're like, I'm going to meet somebody interesting today. And you're not, it's just a normal day. And so but we want to know about the future. Now, let me ask another question about the future. How many of you are planners? Raise your hand. You're planners. You like to plan. Very thoughtful about how you like to see. Okay. How many of you don't plan at all? You never plan. Planning is for dummies. Yeah. Suckers. Okay. So here's the deal. James addresses. But how many of you didn't raise your hand at all? You didn't. I don't even. What does that mean? You're in the middle. Um, James addresses both ideas about the planners and the non-planners, are you ready? Here we go. Because you want to know about the future. How do I live my life in light of what's coming next? Here's what James says. We're going to read the whole thing and then break it down one at a time. But he says this, now listen. That's how he begins. I didn't say that. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this city or that city and spend a year there. We're going to carry on business, make some money. Why would you say that? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're like a mist that appears for a little while and then you vanish. Instead, what you ought to say is, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or do that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes and all such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and does not do it, it is sin to them. Now, that's pretty quick. 
And he says a lot there. Each verse has something very, very profound in it. And so we're going to walk through this and we're going to kind of take off chunk by chunk. Because what I want you to know is this, is that James specifically addresses three mistakes that we all make when it comes to planning. At some point in our life, either because we're young and naive or because we're stuck in our ways or we just got some sinful habits. One way or another, somebody in this room, you're falling into one of these mistakes some point in your life. There are three mistakes that he addresses. Listen to what he says here. Let's look at the opening verse. He says this. He says, now. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this city and that city and we will spend a year there and carry on business and make money. So this is the planner. Remember all you that raised your hands a second ago and said, I'm a planner. This is kind of like you, isn't it? This person that James is talking to or talking about is a go getter. They're proactive. They have a plan. And I, here's what I need you to know. All you guys that raise your hand because you're planners. You're good. You're awesome. Do you know the Bible says that the plans of the diligent make rich? It is good to plan. Jesus talked about this. He goes, what kind of a king would go and take on another army without first sitting down and counting the cost? He would think through this. He would plan this out. What person would would go and do crops and not think about how it's going to unfold? And so the book of Proverbs is is very mirrored with the book of James. And what James says is, is likened to this idea like planning is good. Everybody say, but. There's a but coming, but I want you to see how good this plan is. Look, look how thorough and detailed this plan is. I threw this up on the screen for you. He has every detail of the plan laid out. The who, the what, the when, the where, the why. My screen is not coming to me. Do we not have that slide? Is there? There we go. Let's get back there. When? Notice that? He said today or tomorrow. We're getting time wise. Let's keep going here. Where? We're going to go this city. We'll go that city. Next. How long? We're going to spend a year there. Next, what? We're going to carry on business. And lastly, why? So we can do what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All about that money. This is a go-getter. This is a planner. Remember, there's a but, though. And here's the but. The problem with planning, and this is the first mistake that James addresses, huge mistake, is this, is that he was planning without God. Did you notice in that verse? Never mentions God. Never asks God a question, never invites God into the process, never invites God into any of his thoughts or mind. He sits down and says this, hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go there. I'm going to be here this long. I'm going to go with these people. I'm going to make this much money and it's going to be awesome. And yet they never once did ask God his opinion on anything. Now, here, here's what I know. It is always sad for me to talk to somebody who says, hey, I don't believe in God. That kind of breaks my heart. I want them to be open to the idea that God loves them, that God's real and God wants to be involved in their life. So when people sit back and say, I don't believe in God, that hurts my heart a little bit. Now, here's what what else hurts my heart, though. The other thing that hurts my heart is this is people who say that they believe in God, but God has no influence on their life whatsoever. You know, what we would call this person. We would call this person a Christian atheist. Yeah, because they believe in God, but they live life like he does not exist. Are you with me? And when we live a life where we get into our plans and we get into our dreams and God, I want to go here and I want to do this. And one day I want to go do this because here's here's the reality. Many of us, we have a moment in time where we come to Jesus and we realize we're wrecked. We're sinners. We need Jesus. We have that broken moment where we're lost. Like, Jesus, help me. I need you. And so what we do is this. We pray a prayer and our prayer usually involves something like, Jesus, I will follow you. Right? 
And that sounds great. But then we walk out of these doors. And then from that point forward, many times we're not following Jesus. We're actually living a life and then asking Jesus to follow us. I got I got that. So just so you know, too, like so there's a, there's like if you're not a Christian here today, Christians do weird things sometimes. And um, so sometimes we, we amen and y'all don't know what that means. It's just like, yeah, get them, pastor. That's usually what amen means. And then there's this other thing that Christians do that's real weird. If you're not used to church is we have like these moo sounds like like, mmm. I don't even know what that is. That's it's kind of like a deeper amen. I, I don't really know how to define that for you. But anyway, that's that's what happened here. If you're a visitor and you know what's going on. And so so anyway, it's the idea that. Again, that we ask Jesus to follow us. And here's kind of what it looks like. Jesus, I'm going to go do this with my life. Would you please help me? Jesus, I'm going to go date this person. Would you come and bless that? Jesus, I'm going to take this career path. Would you come bless that? And this is, this is foolishness is what James said. James said, this is not ever. He goes, what you ought to do. Look two verses later. He goes, what you ought to do is say, if Listen to what it says. If it is the Lord's will, meaning we always start with God first, then we let our plans unravel. And so here's the deal. I want you to be a planner. I just want you to start with God first. I want you to ask God first. I want you to think of God first. I want you to consider God's character. I want you to consider his ways. I want you to consider his commands. And then in light of that, now get to planning. Because the question you would have to ask yourself is, is, okay, well, I, I believe in God, but does God really have a say in my business? I mean, like, I'm married, but does God have a say in my marriage? Like, we're talking about moms today. I, I think God gave me kids, you know, but does God have a say in how I parent? Do we ever consider God first before we get into the details of our plan? I read something interesting, and it was literally for two or three hundred years, Christians, whenever they would sign a letter, at the bottom of the letter, they would put the initials D.V., has anybody ever heard this before? DV. It was Latin. And here are what the Latin words are. It's Dio Valente, which means Lord willing. Now, you remember, this is, this is hundreds of years ago. So they were emailing people. Um, there was no text message. They were writing letters. And so when you would write a letter, you would just be telling somebody maybe your plans, <laughs> when you were going to be there, when you'd see them, how things were going. And then they would always sign it with their name and then DV, meaning, hey, look, I realize I put this all in a letter and it might be days or weeks before you even get this letter. But I want you to know that everything in this letter is in light of the fact that I hope it happens, Lord willing. Like, I realize that my life starts with him first and it could go into any direction and I'm not totally in control of that. And so, God, we, we want to make sure that we start with you above all. So the first mistake that James addresses is simply this. It is planning without God. And the solution is simple. Before you do anything, you begin with the simple question, God, what would you have me do? God, what would you want me to do? God, where would you want me to go? How would you want me to handle this? It's so simple. There's nothing mind blowing about what I'm talking about here, but it's so practical. And that's the way James's book of the Bible works. It is the most practical book of the New Testament. He says, hey, just don't get headlong into your plans, because the problem with running into your plans is you're going to get down that road and realize God was never in it to begin with. I was just asking him to bless what I wanted to do. And instead, what we ought to do is ask ourselves the question, God, what are you blessing and how can I get in on that? Are you with me? Mistake number two, let's keep going. Mistake number one is planning without God. Mistake number two is this. It is presuming about tomorrow. You're presuming. You're, you're living with presumption or assumption or you're just... Let, let, let's get to what he says. He goes, 
Why? Like all your plans and all this. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. Isn't that true? You have no idea. Like you don't even know what's happening later today. You have no idea. You're not in control of so many things. There's so many things that could absolutely throw a wrench into your current plans. You have no clue what will happen later today, later this week, later this year. You have no idea. We don't know if another war is going to break out, if the economy takes another turn, if if some uh, if our best friend leaves and moves away, if somebody passes on, if a tragedy. We have no way of knowing any of that stuff that happens. Listen a little bit. Continue. He goes, actually, your life is a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. The word that he uses there in the Greek is, is, the, is the Greek word atmos, which is where we get the word atmosphere. And he was saying this, your life is like a fog. It's like here in the morning and then eventually it rolls away. As a matter of fact, when you look at the Bible, the Bible has a bunch of interesting phrases it uses when it refers to human life and human time span. It's referred to as a leaf, a grass, a shadow, a cloud, a puff of smoke, and a vapor. Doesn't that make you feel good? You're like, you're like a leaf. You're not going to last long. And here's the deal. Here, here's what we take away. There's two big thoughts that we take away from this. Number one is this, is that life is unpredictable. It totally is. You have no way of predicting the future. You have no way of absolutely knowing anything in life. Anything could throw a wrench in what you believe is, is absolute and certain. It's not. The other thing that we learn is this. Not only is life unpredictable, but life is brief. Isn't it? Like, like all throughout the Bible, it says it's just a moment. It's just a mist. It's just a vapor. Now, it feels long to you. And the younger you are, the more so you feel like that. Now, for all you young people, here, here's what you need to know. You're going to move through life, and then all of a sudden, time will begin to compress. It'll move faster, and then eventually you hit a point where you'll realize, I have, I have more days behind me than I do in front of me. And it's just going to start to wreck your way. This is why people go through a weird midlife crisis, because they're not prepared. They're not fully aware that life is brief. And here's what you need to know. Even though life is unpredictable, and even though life is brief, that should never make you afraid. That should only... Lean in and push you to trust God even more with your life. If my life is so short, I need to make the most of it. If my life is so short, I need God around me all the time. If life is so unpredictable, I need to press into God because I need his help. I need his wisdom. I need his direction for my life. These things should never make us afraid. They should just make us trust God all the more. Listen to what Proverbs 27 one. I told you that James is not unlike um, the book of Proverbs. Proverbs says this in verse 20 or chapter 27, verse one. Solomon says, do not boast about tomorrow because you don't even know what a day may bring forth. Again, you have no clue. Do you, do you ever do you ever sit back and reminisce about the good old days? You ever do that before? Like, here's what you need to know. You are living in the good old days right now. And I want you to not just assume everything that, that you know, I, this is going to happen and this is going to happen. I got these plans and everything's going to work out just the way that I want. At some point in time, I want you to live in the day that you have right now and appreciate it and enjoy it and stay in the moment. Because here's what happens to some of you people who plan. You are so busy in your plans that you're missing the now. You're so busy wrapped up in absolutely controlling your future outcome then that you miss the now. These are the good old days that one day you will talk about. I want you to make sure that they are good days. Are you with me? Again, life is unpredictable. 
Life is brief. Here's what the most important truth you may want to take away from this is this. It's a great quote. You need to write this down. I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. That was that moose sound again right there. I don't know who I don't know what the future holds, but I do know the who that holds my future. When I know him, I don't really care that much what happens with my future as long as he is with me and he is guiding me and he is giving me direction. I trust that he's going to work it out. Now, does that mean you don't plan? Absolutely not. Again, the Bible says that planning is good. First of all, all of you planners out there, the proverb says, or all of you that who do never, ever plan, no planning whatsoever. The Bible says in Proverbs, that's somewhat foolish, that you need to make plans. The key is that, number one, you start with God always before you make any plans. And even when you do make plans, you recognize that I'm not in control of the future. Only God controls the future. Mistake number three is this. This is how James kind of finishes up this little rant that he has. Mistake number three is procrastinating the good. When you think about what does the future hold? What should I do with the future? How should I plan for the future? Number one is this. You always plan with God. Do not make presumption and never, ever, ever procrastinate the good. Listen to what he says. This is his final verse that we'll cover today. If anyone then knows the good that they ought to do and doesn't do it to them, it is sin. What? You're like, man, there's too many sins. There's just too many of them. I, I can get into this thing. Here, here's what some of you need to do. Some of you have a very legalistic, rigid, rigid, rigid system of how you think God works and how what you think sin is. Just track with me here for a moment. Sin is anything less than God's best for your life. As a matter of fact, the Greek word for sin, the way that all the apostles wrote when they wrote about sin, it literally meant missing the mark. Most of us have this kind of old school mentality about sin. Sin is when I commit an evil act, Right. Like if I transgress against somebody, if I punch him in the face, if I if I go murder somebody, go steal somebody from somebody, go lie about somebody, that these are sins and they're transgressions that I commit against other people. And are those sins? Of course. Let me ask you, would that be living less than God's best? Of course. But here's what you need to know is sin is just living outside of God's best for your life. And so what James is saying is this. If any time in life, you know, to do something good and you totally just put it off or dismiss it to to you, that is sin. In the Bible, in, in, in little Bible study circles, we call that the sin of omission. Like there's the sin of commission. That's what I commit. Then there's the sin of omission. It's what I refuse to do or just don't ever do. Because here's some of us, again, we have sometimes a religious system of, of thinking about sin. What we do is we sit back as Christians and say, well, I don't drink, smoke, chew, or run around with girls that do. And I, that's great. That's the, but, but you don't do nothing. <laughs> like that's your problem. Like, what is it that you need to do that is the good? Here's, the, here's my point, is that you can actually sin by not doing anything at all. Sometimes you need to go do something good because that's the opportunity that God has given you. Listen to this, this poem. I, I, I couldn't shake this out of my head. I thought it was brilliant. Procrastination is my sin. It only caused me sorrow. I know I ought to change my ways. In fact, I will. Tomorrow. Oh, that's so true. Sometimes we, we, we just we just procrastinate and say, well, I'll get that. Here's what you need to know. Someday is not a day of the week. One day is not a day of the week. There are so many things in life that God gives us the opportunity to do that we just totally throw it away. So, so let me give you some examples. Some of you are like, you know, your marriage is on the rocks. And it's not doing too well. But, you know, work is busy and the kids are in five different sports. And there's a lot going on. And I'm telling you this, like what? What is the good that you ought to do? Well, we'll get to that later. Our, 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 we'll, it'll just fix itself. 
Yeah, that happens. Um, that's the good that you ought to do. Some, some of you are so busy with work and so busy with things that your kids, they're only, they're, listen to me, there's only a small window that you have your kids in the certain age parameters. Hey, look, they're only going to be four once. They're only going to be five once. You're going to miss these windows of opportunity in your heart. You say, man, I really, I know I need to spend some more time with my kids. I need to do that with my kids. The problem with procrastination is this, is that you don't know what tomorrow holds. You're going back to presuming that you'll even have a tomorrow. The Bible says your life is but a list of, but a mist and a vapor like tomorrow is promised to no one. So the problem with procrastinating is, is that there are certain things that you never get to or the window closes or you did your life vanishes. There's too many reasons why we need to go ahead and take advantage of the moment. Like some of you think, yeah, I'm going to start serving at church one day. One day is not a day of the week. If there's anything that you can do that God is wanting you to do. Do it now. There's that friend that you've been wanting to, wanting to invite to church. There's that person that you've been trying to reach out to. There's that person that you've been trying to follow up with because you need to, you know, you need to make amends and you need to ask for forgiveness. I'm telling you, if there's anything, sometimes there's just an opportunity to help somebody and you think, uh, and then the window slides and you're procrastinating. And James says, never, ever, ever live that way. Here's what I want you to do. Three things that you can do with your life in terms of the time and the opportunity that God has given you. Number one is this. Everybody say, waste it. We know that, right? Like you can spend way too much time in front of a screen and just waste life. You can spend way too much time doing uh, fruitless things, dumb things, boring things, lifeless things, sometimes bad things. There's all kinds of ways to waste it. The, the second one is this. You can just spend it. Like you can spend your life. And some of you do that. Some of you are so focused on uh, making money or making your career or making this or making that. And you're, you're spending the life that you've been given. That's better than wasting it in most cases. But here's what I really want you to do is I want you to invest it. This is the way that we ought to look at life. Is that life is this window of time that God has given me. And I want to plan so that I get the most out of it. But I always want to begin with God. And I don't want to make any assumptions about the future because I really don't know what the future holds. And I know this, that as I move forward in life with God's plan for my life, any time that God gives me an opportunity to do something good, I'm going to do it. That's the way that I want to live my life. That's the way that I want to see the future unfold. Interesting story. In the book of Acts, Acts tells the story of all the apostles and all their missionary journeys and how the church kind of starts in its early little infant stages. And Paul gets thrown into prison, gets into trouble for preaching about Jesus because they told him not to. He's like, well, I don't, I'm going to do it anyway. And so he gets thrown in like multiple prisons. But in this particular setting, he gets brought before the king. And, you know, the guy's name is, um, is uh, Felix. And so he's, he's before King Felix. And he's actually given an opportunity to share the gospel with King Felix. So he goes like, why are you in trouble? Why are these guys trying to throw you in prison or kill you or whatever else? And he goes, hey, here's, the, here's what was going on. And he gets the opportunity to do this on multiple occasions. And he, got, he starts telling King Felix, this Roman king, the gospel. And King Felix listens to him and is intrigued. And at the end of their discussion, he, he's rattled, the Bible says, he's thrown off by this gospel message. And he says, you know what? I can't hear any more of this. I need some time. I will call for you later and later we will discuss this more. You know what the problem was? There was no later. Paul was picked up and taken away the very next day. And King Felix never got to talk to Paul again. You know what you call that? It's that window. It's this little moment that God gives you. Do you ever think about those? You ever feel those moments? 
They're divine moments. They're kind of these divine appointments, these divine windows of opportunity. It seems like God opens up that window for you and he's wanting you to step into it. But many times because of fear or reluctancy or doubt or hesitation or whatever it is, we just kind of step back. James says, don't do that. Whenever you have the opportunity to do good, just step right into it. Again, first mistake was very, very simple. Is the guy planned? But he never, ever, ever considered God first. Second mistake was they were presuming about tomorrow. You have no idea what tomorrow holds. It's completely unpredictable. And the third was this, is they put off doing good. They had moments and opportunities to do something great with their life, and they just let them pass by. Here's some questions I want you to ask yourself as we close down today. Number one is this, five questions I want you to wrestle with. Number one is this, what are your plans for the future? What are they? Like, I want you to have plans. Planning is good. I just want you to always start with God. But what do you think about your future? Do we start with the question, God, what would you have me do with whatever? That is the next question. Look at this. Number two, does God have any say in your schedule? Like when you look at all the time that God has given you, where does God speak into your schedule? Your time is the most valuable thing that you have on this earth. Do you know that? Here's what I know about you. You can make money, right? You can lose money and then you can go make some more. And we've all done that, right? Or we just shopped really bad. And so make money. Lose it, and then we have the ability to go make more. Here's the problem with time. You've got to remember this. It, it's supply and demand. It's in high demand. It's in low supply. And as soon as you lose it, you can never, ever, ever get it back. It's the most valuable thing that you have. So if it's the most valuable thing you have, wouldn't it make the most sense to invite God into your schedule and say, God, how can I make the most of this? Question number three is this. Have you asked God what he thinks about? And I don't know what to put here. Because I don't know your life. Have you asked God what he thinks about your career, the school you're choosing, the person that you're dating, how you're parenting your kids? Does God have a say in any of it? Number four is this. What do I need to do different tomorrow? Is there anybody that you need to make amends? Is there anybody that you need to reach out to? Is there anything that you can do for another human being? You know, remember what James was talking about here? He was saying, make sure that you invest your life. There's wasting it, spending it, and there's investing it. You know how you really invest it? What's the only thing that lasts forever? People. Think about that. All the times that we waste it or we spend it, we're normally wasting it or spending it with stuff that will never, ever matter in this life. What's the only area of life where you can invest your time and it make an eternal difference? People. Listen to what Jim Elliott said. This is, this is beautiful here. He is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep for that which he cannot lose. People are eternal. What do I need to do different tomorrow? Last question is this. What have you known to do, but you've been putting it off? What is it that you have known to do, but you have been putting it off? Here's what I want to encourage you today is that your future looks incredibly bright when you look to God first. When you make no assumptions about tomorrow and then every opportunity that you have to do something good, you step right into it. Because here's the deal. I would rather you err on the side of grace every single time. Like if you've got an opportunity, and you're like, well, I can do this or I can do that. You know, where I, if you're going to make a mistake, I want you to make a mistake being too kind. If you're going to make a mistake, I want you to make a mistake being too generous. If you make a mistake, it, it's, I want you to be too good to people around you. If you're going to err, I want you to err on the side of grace. 
Your future looks really, really good as long as you know who holds your future and your life is in his hands. I pray that today that you walk out of this place and begin to seek him first and trust him with all those plans. Would you pray with me today? Father, I thank you that I was living life a a, a certain way, completely avoiding your plan for my life. And one day you got my attention. You captured my heart. You opened my eyes. And God, you did something in me so that I might know you and that I might begin to trust you. And so, God, I pray for every person here within the sound of my voice that, God, they would have a moment where they decide, Jesus, I need you and I want to trust you with my life. If you're in here today and you say, that's me today, I I actually know that I need God in my life, that I'm tired of living life on my own terms. I'm tired of living life on my own plans, completely ignoring him. It is today that I want to ask God to help me to come into my life. If that's you today, then I want you to raise your hand on the count of three. Just as a way of saying, God, I want you in on my life. I I don't want you following me around. I actually want to follow you around. I don't want you to get in on my plans, God. I want to get in on your plans. If that's you today on the count of three, I want you to slip your hand. One two, three, and put your hands up in the air. Amen. God, we ask, yeah, leave your hand up. God, we ask that God intervene in our life, that you would so shake us, that you would so rattle us, that you would so move us, God. God, that you would give us the strength to take that difficult step, that you give us the courage to do that thing that seems to be so hard. God, that you'd give us the wisdom to do the right thing, God. Father, I pray that you would help us as a people not to ask you to follow us around, but God, that we would wholeheartedly follow you anywhere you go, that our life would be in your hands, Lord. That is our prayer today in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Can you give the Lord a big hand clap this morning?